as you find your seats, if you want to turn with me to the book of Ephesians in the back of your Bible as we continue in a little five-week sermon series of the, unveiling the mystery, unveiling the mystery of God. This is part two as we're going to unveil the mystery of who we are as God's beloved people. Uh, pretty incredible stuff. Again, it's, it's the uh, weekend here before the 4th, uh, the day that the United States of America celebrates its independence, uh, the 4th of July, a national holiday that we can come together and just celebrate who we are as a nation. Uh, very grateful for those who made us that way. But the United States of America, do you ever feel that we've been more divided? I mean, I think we're kind of like the divided states of America, or at least the divided people. Uh, have we ever been more divided? It seems like we're even divided over what beer to drink on July 4th. I mean, do we go with Bud Light? Heck no. Uh, you know, what are we going to do? We are a divided nation. The United States of America definitely feels like the divided people of America. So the question, hey, what can unite us? And here's the really good news. Not my focus this morning. <laughs> All right, that's for somebody a lot smarter than me to debate you know, what brings back together Americans. I got something, a task even more important than that reality. What unites us to God? And, and what unites us to one another as the people of God? This is the mystery that we are going to unfold. It's interesting, as I was thinking about this, preparing this morning, and just thinking about how divided I feel like we are as a nation, I was thinking, what will it take to bring us back? I mean, when was the last time you really felt united as a nation? And it usually is around a tragedy. I mean, it's usually something like 9-11. I remember uh, feeling more like an American the days after 9-11 uh, than maybe uh, any other time in my life. I was trying to remember those times. And, and what will it take to unite us? Will it have to be another tragedy? Well, what would it take for God to unite us to himself? What would it take for God to unite us to one another? And it's, it's the ultimate tragedy of a sinless man hanging on a cross and what he has done for us. Well, the Bible unveils that to us. The story of the Bible is the story of how God unites us to himself through his son. I mean, that's basically the whole story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story of God and his grace and mercy to us and how God unites us to himself, and how he does that through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible unveils the mystery of how God unites sinners to a holy God, and it does more than just that. It tells us that how God unites Jews and Gentiles, how God has the ability to unite Yankees and Southerners, how God has the ability to unite Gators and Seminoles and Republicans and Democrats, that, that these chasms that we have created can all be connected through Christ Jesus. Even the Hatfields and the McCoys uh, in Christ Jesus can find a connection. So, again, this morning we are in part two of Unveiling the Mystery, uh, looking specifically at that mystery found in the book of Ephesians. Last week, we looked at unveiling the mystery of God's will uh, for the entire world in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. We'll come back and touch on that in just a moment. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at the mystery of God's people. And so as we unpack this mystery in God's holy word, uh, we're going to look at three things. The mystery of God's story. It's a pretty amazing story. 
the mystery of the gospel story, the good news of what Christ has done for us, and the mystery of our story in Christ. For those of us, by God's grace, who have faith in Christ as Savior, what is the mystery of our story? So this morning, we're going to look to God's Word. Again, we're not doing what we did in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, we took every verse and we made our way through. This, we're just looking at the mystery. So last week, we looked at chapter 1, 1 through 11. Uh, this week, we're going to pick up what Paul says in chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 11, and make our way through chapter 3, verse 6. Again, it's God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. It's always worthy for us to, to live under the authority of this. And it's amazing. So may the Holy Spirit come. May the Holy Spirit give you the ears to hear God speaking as he speaks to us through his living word. So church, hear the word of the Lord found in Ephesians beginning in chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grow into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, it was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Father God, we're thankful that you would love us enough to unveil the mystery of your will for us. The mystery of your will for this world and how beautiful it is seen in Christ Jesus. 
God, this morning as we unveil the mystery according to your word of who we are as your people, Jews and Gentiles made new in Christ Jesus. God, would you come and would you be our teacher? Would you be the one who is pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me? God, would you give us ears to hear your voice? God, would you give us minds that would be able to to understand your word? God, would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth, and therefore making us your sons and daughters? God, would you powerfully be with your church, your people, that you would empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name and the mystery of who we are in Christ Jesus. God, the things that I say that are merely wrong, uh, that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. May we grow in Christ's likeness as the gospel is proclaimed. And we pray all these things in Christ's matchless name. Amen. All right, the first thing we're going to see is this mystery of God's story, this mystery of God's story from Genesis to Revelation that he has given to us that we saw last week that in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says that, that God in Christ is uniting all things to himself, things in heaven and things on earth. So this is a huge mystery. It's basically saying that God's will for you, the will for the earth, is that he wants to be united to us, unite all things in heaven and earth. So the question is, well, why does God have to unite all things to himself uh, in Christ? And the answer, according to the Bible, it gets there pretty quick, is sin. Sin separates us from a holy God. Always does, always will. Sin separates us. It separates us from a holy God. What happens in the Bible when sin entered the picture? Adam and Eve, they hid from God. They felt no longer safe with God. I mean, they wanted to hide the reality that they were broken sinners, why they were afraid of God. I mean, think what sin had done, the power of sin. They used to walk with God in the cool of the evening. All of a sudden, they're hiding from God. Listen, we do the same. Our sin makes us hide from God. And what did God do? He drove them out of the garden. He drove them out of his, uh, his presence. So sin has separated us from God, but it does more than just that. Sin has separated us from each other. What happened when sin entered the picture? All of a sudden, Adam and Eve realized, whoa, it's not safe to really be who I am before you. They realized they were naked. Uh, they realized they had to cover themselves up. They didn't want to be fully known. They didn't want to be fully seen. Why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid of being judged. They were afraid of one another. So they hid, even from one another, the way they clothed themselves. And haven't we been hiding from one another since? So here's what God had to do. If the big picture of the Bible, this is it, that God reconciles all things to himself in Christ Jesus. So think about this. This is really important. God who is, the true and living God, is going to reconcile everything to himself, and he's going to use Christ Jesus. He's the only one. That's the conduit to do it. So he has to reconcile all things in heaven. And how does he do that? Well, he reconciles us. This is a vertical reckoning uh, to himself uh, by making us new creations in Christ. If you missed it last week, this is what I preached on. It's an amazing, beautiful mystery uh, that it says that before time even began, God loved us, his own family, and he set this love upon us. He adopts us into the family. Uh, that he is going to choose us in Christ Jesus, uh, that in Christ Jesus, Christ is going to live for us. 
He's going to die for us and be resurrected. And in him, we're going to be reconciled to God. We're going to be made whole. And that vertical relationship, that separation that sin caused is going to be bridged. And it's bridged only through Christ Jesus. So the first thing we see is God has to make us new, a new creation. How does God unite sinners to a holy God? Well, he does it through Christ's work, power of the Holy Spirit. He makes us new. But then more than just this vertical, God has also has to reconcile to us to one another in Christ. That's on earth. Okay, this is in heaven. This is on earth. This is the horizontal uniting of God's story. God has to unite his people to one another. I love how he says this. God has to make us basically a new man, a new people, a new humanity. That's what the gospel does. It makes us not only new creation in his eyes, it makes us new as a community as well. So that's the mystery of God's story in the big picture. Then you have the mystery of the gospel story. How does God horizontally unite people? It says that God unites Jew and Gentile in Christ. Now, hit pause. This is kind of foreign to many of us. I don't know if anybody here grew up in a Jewish culture. Uh, I know that none of us really understand what does it mean to be Gentile according to the Bible. But this is a huge chasm that God is saying the gospel is going to bridge. Because to the Jews, there are two types of people in the world. There are Jews and there are Gentiles. That's it. There are those who are God's people and there's everybody else. It's kind of interesting. He doesn't break it out. Well, you got the Romans and you got the Greeks and you have these people and that people. To the Jewish people, they say they have us. We have everybody else. Right? And so the Gentiles was anybody who is not a Jew. It's basically saying... They had the mindset uh, before God's grace in Christ that it's basically us versus them. It's us versus the world. As a matter of fact, they had a kind of terminology for the Gentiles. They were the Gentile dogs. I'm a dog lover. I have three, maybe one more fantastic love dogs. But when they were calling Gentile dogs, these are not a dog lovers. These are those. We are the chosen ones. Those are the riffraff. We are the ones who are right, they're wrong, we're in, they're out, we're loved, they're dogs. Hmm, how does God bridge that? The Jews felt like they were the only chosen one in God's story. And if you read God's story, you can see where they get this, right? I mean, it's through their father Abraham that God makes these amazing promises. And it's through this prophet Moses that God gives this law. And so you have all these things where they're thinking, and God enters into covenant with them. He says, listen, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. And so they felt like, yeah, well, listen, we're gods, and all those other people. Paul will summarize this in another book he wrote, the book of Romans, in Romans 9. As a matter of fact, he's, he's wrestling with the fact that the Jewish people aren't embracing Jesus, but the Gentiles are. And so here's what he says. They are Israelites, Jewish, until to them belong adoption, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. It's basically saying the whole story of God unfolded through these Jewish Israelites. I mean, through them came all these promises, through them came the law, all these things of how to worship uh, all came from them. Adoption into God's family. Verse 5, to them belong the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all Jewish. 
And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. From uh, the line of David is going to come the Messiah, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it goes on to say, but it's not as though the word of God has failed. They're like, this doesn't make sense. I thought we were it. It must not have worked. But this is not, here's what it says. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Is that not confusing? Not all who descended from Israel. It's basically saying, you're not one of God's just because of the fact that you were born Jewish. You're not one of God's just because you were circumcised. You have to have something happening in your heart. You have to embrace God's promises, embrace God's Messiah. That will do it. It goes on to say, and not are all children of Abraham because of their, they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise who are counted as offspring. So here, listen, let me try to clean this up. Jewish people will say, clearly, we are the chosen ones. Read the Old Testament. And because we were born Jewish and we had this thing made by hands called circumcision, we're in. And because we're in, we're chosen, we're safe. And all of a sudden, the Gospels gets proclaimed, says, listen, you're not connected to Abraham because you're Jewish or because of circumcision. You're connected because Abraham had faith. He was a man of faith. He believed in God's promises. And God, watch this, this is amazing. God credited it to him as righteousness, not that he was Jewish, not that he was circumcised, but because he believed, because he had faith. You want to be a part of God's family and story? It's, it's one that we believe. God's people aren't God's people because they're Jewish. God's people are God's people because of God's promise to all who believe in God's Messiah, Jesus, all who have faith. It's going to go on to say in this text that Christ knocked down everything that divided us. And what divided the Jew and Gentile about everything? I mean, religion divided them. I'm, listen, I'm circumcised. You're not, although there was some circumcision that time. Hey, I had this done, so therefore I'm one of God's because I had, maybe today we'd say I was baptized. Because I'm baptized, I'm in. They thought they were in because they were born a certain race. They had some religious thing done to them. And because of that, they ate differently. They missed the joy of bacon. They missed the joy of pork chops. They felt like the, God gave them some restrictions to say, you're different people, don't eat these things. They dressed differently. Um, they washed differently. They had certain rituals of washing. They worshiped differently. Every nation around them were uh, worshiping many gods. They worshiped one God. They had a different language. They had a different culture and customs. They were God's chosen people and everybody else, dogs. So this is what Jesus had to gap. This is what he had to knock down. How did Jesus knock it all down? You have all these, you have 37 Old Testament books. How do you knock it all down? Well, I love this. He says, well, the law was given to the Jews. True. It was for all of us. But Jesus came and fulfilled the law for us. He fulfilled all the requirements of law. He knocked it down. So what separated us sinners from a holy God, we kept breaking the law. Jesus says, somebody's got to keep it. I'm going to come and do it. So we knocked down the law by keeping the law. He kept all the promises. You read the scripture closely. Scripture will say, God will say, you are my people. If you do this, if you're mine, I'm going to give you these blessings. 
read through scriptures, especially like the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, if you don't do the things I say, here come the curses. And then you realize that Jesus, he's not only the one who made his promises. Watch this. This is amazing. He's the one who keeps the promises. You remember with all the ifs of scripture, if you keep this, I'm going to bless you. Jesus is the only one who did. And not only that, he's not only kept the promises so we get the blessings, but Jesus says, all the things you broke, I'll absorb the wrath. I'll become a curse. I'll hang on a tree so the Father can give you nothing but blessings. He knocked down that reality, that wall, because he kept the promises. He brought us together. I love it. He says, once you were this, now we are that. I love the promise. You would become a we. How? How? Through the blood of Christ, through the cross, the, the, the most incredible symbol of all time. Because, watch this, through the cross, vertically, we are made right with God. Through the cross, his, his atonement for our sins, we can be made right with God, and we can be made right vertically with one another. It's incredible. Christ made us into a new humanity. I love how the Holy Spirit empowers Paul. He says that in Christ Jesus, watch this, he is making one new man out of two. He doesn't say to the Gentiles, I'm making you Jewish. And he doesn't say to the Jews, I'm making you Gentiles. He says, I'm making you into a new humanity. You're mine. I'm making you into the church. I'm making you into the people of God. And this, this has always been the people of God from Genesis to Revelation who have believed in him. He's made us one. I love that reality, one new man, one in Christ Jesus. We are his Jew or Gentile who believes. That's the mystery of what the gospel has done. The gospel unites us to God, it unites us to one another. And then there's the mystery played out in our lives, the mystery of our story in Christ Jesus. It says, if, if you are his, if you've embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's what it says, it's pretty amazing. We have peace with God. Peace. Holy God, sinful people, uh, redeemed. We have peace with God. Why? Because it says in verse 14, Jesus is our peace. I mean, it, it just, you can't make it more clear than that. It doesn't just say Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is. And it doesn't just say that Jesus is the God of peace. He is. He says, he's the one who's your peace. You want to have peace with God? It's not about religion. It's not about trying harder. It's not about doing better. It's not about keeping those vows finally. It's about what Jesus has done. Peace is found only in him with God. If you got him, you got peace with God. You don't, you don't. Without him, you can't. Why? Because only in Christ Jesus is the law fulfilled. Only in Christ Jesus is God's wrath absorbed. Only in Jesus is the bridge between brokenness like us and holiness like him bridged. Only in him. Do you have Jesus? Listen, no matter what Satan tells you, no matter what your mirror tells you, if you are in Christ, you have peace with God. We hold the peace treaty if we hold Christ in our hearts. We are reconciled to God. God reconciled to us and says one body through the cross. Jesus' righteous life uh, fulfilled the requirements of the law that knocked it down. Jesus' atoning death absorbs the wrath of the Father. He knocked it down. Jesus' resurrection defeated death. Anything that held us back, we're reconciled in Christ Jesus. Now, here, here's, here's what it means. Paul says this scandalously well in Romans 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, hit pause. All the sinfulness and brokenness, how can holy God who sees and knows all things, how can he say there's no condemnation in me, in you? Because he robes us in Christ. He sees us in Christ. Listen, I, I live my life and I often lament of what I'm not. I often struggle for the number of times I still wander and am broken. But the gospel of Jesus Christ wants us to focus not on what we are not, but who we are in Christ Jesus. Church, in Christ, you are reconciled to God. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5 says, 5 tells us, not counting our trespasses against us. Do you know the joy of being reconciled with the creator of the earth? Do you know the joy of being reconciled with God? Remember, it doesn't come through what we do. It comes from what Christ has done. He's our peace. It doesn't come through religion and morality. It comes from the good news of the gospel. And that's amazing, reconciled to God. We have access to the Father. Um, one, of my, one of my dearest friends uh, gave to my brother and one of his friends tickets to the Masters. Now, for some of you, that won't mean anything. But for anybody who knows anything about sports, especially golf, you just got, like, the, the, uh, the golden ticket, right? Uh, Charlie and the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I mean, I mean, you get to the Masters. This is the Mecca. This is the holy ground of sports, uh, by God's grace, of benefit. Amazing place. But not only did he get him to the Masters, and there's no chance he could get there on his own, he gave him a, a pass that's called Berkman's Place. And Berkman's Place, they say, is, is the most prestigious place, the most exclusive Masters hospitality experience you can have. I mean, the whole thing is amazing. But Berkman's place gives you into this, like, excluded, exclusive place inside of a huge exclusive place. Best restaurants, best food. Condoleezza Rice was there. I mean, all these cool people were hanging out. But the interesting thing is they had no idea what they had. People were coming up to them and saying, how'd you get that pass? I don't know. Somebody gave it to me. You got a Berkman's place pass? How'd you get that? So they're hanging out with everybody else. Pretty cool still. And they better decide saying, like, what is this thing? <laughs> what is this? Somebody says, you don't know what that is, do you? No, I have no idea. Come over here. You have a pass. You have access to the most exclusive place on these grounds. Go enjoy. They had something they had no idea that they had. They didn't use it until someone kind of, hey. And then, man, everything, whoo, this place was amazing. We in Christ have access to the Father. Use it. Because of what Christ has done, filled with the Spirit, no matter who, where you are, no matter what you're doing, access to the Father. Access. Use it. Pray continually. Be grateful. Quit saying you're not good enough. You're not, but He is. Quit saying that He can't get past what you've done. He has on the cross. You got the Holy Spirit inside you? If you're His and forgiven and free, access to the Father. Use it every day. Enjoy the privileges. We are citizens of heaven. My goodness, am I grateful, and I hope you are too, to be a citizens of America.
especially on the 4th of July. I know I'm going to celebrate the day by listening to country music, playing cornhole, and probably blowing something up, right? It's what you do. But in Christ Jesus, we're citizens of heaven. Our rightful home is with God. It's not the home of the brave and the land of the free. It's the home of the redeemed. And it's Emmanuel's land. It's God's land. It's who we are. We're children and citizens of heaven, members of God's household. Let me read to this, one of my favorites, 1 John 3. Church, hear who we are in Christ Jesus. Church, see what kind of love the Father has given to you, that you should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Have you embraced Christ as Savior? You're loved. You're family. Part of God's household. A place for you. Lastly, we are the dwelling place of God. Now listen, there's no place that God is not dwelling. Scripture will tell us in Psalm 139, we can't go anywhere where God isn't. He's omnipresent, right? But there's a unique dwelling of God's presence with his people. He uniquely dwells and loves us. And that's the story of the Bible. You want to know why God loves us and hanging with us? He starts off in a garden dwelling with his people. When we messed it up and rebelled and we were wandering in the wilderness, he says, build me a tent because I want to wander with my people too. I want to dwell with them in a tent as well. When they get to the promised land, he goes, I want to be there with my people. Build me a temple. I'm going to uniquely put my name there. I mean, that was amazing. But all that foreshadowed Jesus. John chapter 1 says that the word of God, Jesus, became flesh. And watch this. He dwelt among us. He pitched a tent. Why? So we could forever dwell with him. It's amazing. If you're his, the Holy Spirit dwells with us. We are the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. This 4th of July, celebrate the United States of America, but today and every day, celebrate the mystery in Christ, that we are united to God and united to one another in Christ Jesus. Amen? Father God, wow, what a mystery. Holy God could love sinners enough to unite us to yourself. At great cost to yourself. You didn't just wink and make this happen or wave a magic wand. You had to send your son into a dark and dangerous, broken world to rescue us. And to rescue us, it cost him everything. It cost him his life. He had to lay his life down for his sheep so that we could find life in him and life abundantly. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the work of your son. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the access we have to the Father, the greatest badge ever that we could come to the God who is. We thank you that it's not by the work of our hands, it's not by our religion, it's not by our righteousness, it's by your grace and mercy and the work of your Son. God, we're yours and we're loved. Oh, we're still a mess. We're still broken. We still stumble. But in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. 
we are free because we are forgiven. Oh God, I thank you for that reality. God, I, I pray that this church, King's Chapel, will live in light of that reality, of the mystery of who we are as God's people, who we are together as one new humanity in Christ. May we love each other profoundly well. May the world recognize you as they recognize that we love one another so well in Christ Jesus. And God, for the one who thinks that maybe they make their way home or they find your heart by what they do, by being religious or moral, oh God, open their eyes to the good news of the gospel and what Christ Jesus has done for sinners like us. All by God's grace, through faith in Christ the Son. We pray all these in Christ's powerful name. Amen.